invite you to turn in God's Word this morning to the book of Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. going to be reading this morning verses uh, 1 through 13, but before reading it, and let me place the following thought. I know some of you perhaps uh, get the bulletin uh, when Carly sends it out on email, and perhaps some of you uh, look up the scripture passage, uh, maybe even read it. Maybe you do that Sunday morning when you enter worship. You look at what it is and look up uh, what the passage is. But let's suppose you haven't done that, and let's suppose I didn't call it to your attention now. And let's just create the following scenario. It's the week before Christmas, our celebration traditionally of that. You have uh, in your home a nice one of those nativity scenes that you're now rethinking whether or not you ought to have it, given uh, our series of messages on the characters of Advent. But you have it there, it's set out, and you have it nicely displayed, maybe even some lights on it, and maybe it's made out of some decorative ceramics, and maybe it's relatively even expensive. Maybe you paid a good sum of money for it. And uh, maybe you're, you're a grandparent, you're, you're a little bit older, and you take care of grandchildren uh, one day or a couple of days a week. They come over. And on one particular day, uh, your grandchildren are playing, and you have a grandson. He just loves, he loves dinosaurs, he loves dragons, and so on. And he brings along with him from home a rather large dinosaur dragon type. We'll call it a dragon. It's good size. It's, it's one of those hefty ones. And he's playing with it, and he's having a good time, and you go off into the kitchen to fix lunch, and when you come back from lunch, lo and behold, he's set that dragon on the table with the nativity. Now, my question to you is this. What would you say to your grandson at that particular moment? Or what would you do? Would you say to your grandson, grandson, I won't use names to not embarrass any of our kids. Grandson, you really need to take that off from there. That's grandma's special nativity and the dinosaur, plastic and stuff, it, it really doesn't belong there. You may play with it, but do so on the floor. Don't don't put it on the table with the nativity. Or would you just ignore it for the time being, and but every time you walk past it, you go, oh, that kid. Okay? Man, oh man, takes right after his father. Right? But as soon as you have the opportunity, you take it and you set it on the floor. Because you know it doesn't belong there. Or would you say, and take a moment and say, grandson, thank you. Thank you. You've reminded me of the fact there was another character at the birth of Jesus. And and we never display it. We never put it there. It's 
but it's really important that we do. So thank you, grandson. You taught grandma a very important lesson. And if you don't mind, could you leave the dragon here until grandma picks up the display this year? You may think I've lost my mind, right? Why would you leave a dragon at a nativity scene? Because your grandson was absolutely right. That's what we read in God's word. Listen, Revelation chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. And the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle, so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood in the sand the sea. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's ask for God's blessings upon it this morning. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, once again we're grateful to come before you in this morning hour. Grateful to hear the words of victory that we have read, Father, uh, as promised long ago. 
God, we pray that you would give Pastor Bob's the word, Pastor Bob the words to speak and the clarity of voice and mind. And we pray for ears that would hear and understand this passage. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. And amen. So one of our members a number of weeks ago as I was going through the series on the characters asked if I was going to do the, the character of the dragon. And at first I gave a kind of a quizzical look myself and then realized uh, what it was that uh, he was referencing. And so uh, I, I thought, yes, this also needs to be included, much needed to be included, giving where we are at in the history of the church of Jesus Christ. I want to remind you as we begin, though, just also as words of introduction, that uh, several times in this chapter, the phrase, a sign, or a great sign, appeared in heaven. And that word is important. God, God isn't just wasting space by including that. A sign is that which points or stands for something. A sign is a message. Now, yes, John saw this in his vision. But it is a vision and it is a sign. It's pointing to something else. It's not that there really is a great red dragon that stood before the woman who was about to give birth. There is not like there is a great red dragon who fought against Michael and the angels. John saw that in the vision. But that is not literal. It's a sign. He saw it, it's there, but we are told it is a sign. This is pointing to something. This calls for wisdom. This calls for discernment. You need to think about what the real meaning of this is. And so that's what we desire to do this morning. What is the real meaning of this sign that John receives to encourage the church, and I pray it's an encouragement to us this morning as well. So we want to look at three things. One, the identity of the red dragon, which is pretty clear from the scripture passage. Two, the goal of the red dragon. What, what, is, what does he desire to do? And then thirdly, we want to look at the defeat of the red dragon. So the identity, the goal, and the defeat of the red dragon. The identity, rather obvious, right? We go to 12 verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. Clearly identified. The sign then of this red dragon points us to Satan. That's who it represents. That's who's being pictured. Not a red dragon, but Satan. We could also find the very same description given to us in chapter 20, verse 2. 
Same, same way it's put out, almost word for word. The dragon, who is the serpent, back in the garden, reminding us of that, reminding us of his power, reminding us of his influence, reminding us that this is the force of evil, the reality of evil in this world. So he is Satan. But there actually is a little bit more to it, isn't it? Because as we look at the description, we find, verse 3, in telling us about this, right? And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. And then it's described, this red dragon, as having seven heads, ten horns, and on his heads, seven diadems. Now, those men who are in our Wednesday morning Bible study will probably immediately look at it and think, well, this sounds like Daniel. This sounds like some of the visions Daniel had. And when we have those visions of Daniel, we have some very clear understanding of what these heads and diadems and crowns are all about. They stand for and represent governments. Now, not only civil government, right? Not only civil government, but false church government, the false church, false philosophy. So what we are being told here in chapter 12 is that this great red dragon, who is Satan, is making use of and has as his powers the false church, false philosophies, and ungodly governments. These become his tools. These become his agents. These become the means by which the dragon, Satan, seeks to accomplish his goals. We need to understand that. Okay, if we just think this is some picture of some strange creature, we've missed the point. We've missed the point just as much as if we were to say to our grandson, take that red dragon away from that display, it doesn't belong there. We miss the point. And I think, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we live in a world and we live in a society in which many, many believers, many Christians are missing the point. Because for them, Christmas has been this, oh, this just beautiful little celebration. Oh, it's that wonderful time of the year. And we forget the reality of the great red dragon that is risen in opposition and is, in, is, is, and is using all the forces of world government, all the forces of false church, the false teaching, false philosophy to seek to accomplish his purposes and his goals. And unless our eyes are open. Unless we see that great red dragon there in Bethlehem, we're going to miss. We're going to miss the real message, the real truth that is taking place. Secondly, then, 
once we've, now that we've identified who this dragon is. What is the goal? Well, it would appear to be there are three stated goals from chapter 12. First, look with me at 12 verse 4. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. This is his goal. This is what we're told. The dragon, Satan's goal, along with the forces of evil in this present world, false government, false church, false philosophy. His goal, through the means of that false, is to destroy, to devour the child, to make it impossible for the child to carry out that which the child has come to do. The child, the male child. It's the same language, the same phrasing that we find back in Genesis 3.15. You shall give birth to a son, a male child. This is Jesus. I probably tell you nothing new. I, th I think we've probably figured that out. I, I think we, we have that idea. But just to be clear, the child that is referenced here is Jesus Christ. It was Satan's goal, Satan's desire to destroy Christ. Now, do we see that? Sure, we could go to Matthew chapter 2, right? And what does Satan make use of in order to accomplish his goal? Herod. Herod representing then the false government, the false church, the false philosophies, who is seeking to destroy the child. He goes out and he wants to kill, so he kills okay, all those babies of Bethlehem. But not the Christ. But we see that on display. So when we turn to Matthew chapter 2, what are we really seeing? We're seeing Revelation chapter 12. But we really need to back up the cart. Right? Ever since the promise of Genesis 3.15, it is the stated goal throughout the entire Old Testament of Satan by the means of these false measures to destroy the male child. To destroy the coming of Jesus Christ. That's his stated purpose. Somehow, in some way, to disrupt this line. To destroy this line. To make it impossible for the Christ to come. And if the Christ is to come, if Jesus is to be born, to devour him immediately. His stated goal. That's what it tells us. Secondly, though, he has another goal. Because we're going to learn that one didn't work out. Right? That, that one isn't going to pan out, but we'll come back to that. Go with me to verse 13. 
What's his second goal then? His second goal, and when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. So here's his second goal. Destroy the woman. If he can't destroy the child, then destroy the woman. Well, the question is, who's this woman? Well, if we were down the road, okay, if we go down 24th and take a little jog, okay, off Juniper, and we were sitting there, she would be Mary. So the Catholic Church believes this to be. But it isn't Mary. There is nothing about this description other than the giving birth, which she fulfills, that is really Mary. Look at the description. What does he see? In regards to this, chapter 12, a great sign appeared. A woman clothed with the sun. How would that fit? Doesn't. With the moon under her feet. How does that fit? It doesn't. And a crown of 12 stars. Does that fit? No. But what it does fit is this. It fits the Old Testament church. It is the church of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It is the believers. It is the elect. It is God's covenant people. It matches pretty much in some ways the description that we have throughout the Old Testament of God's people. Not of one particular individual. Oh, like Herod becomes one of those agents of Satan in the means of this. Mary becomes a means in it. Yes, she is part of that Old Testament church, but it is much bigger than that. So when we look through this, what do we have? We have Satan working throughout the Old Testament to destroy the people of God. Genesis chapter 6. What had the world become? Full of evil. So much so that God's going to destroy it by a flood. Satan's going, see, they're all going to go. No, God says, no, Noah, you build an ark. What do we have? We have an Abraham called by faith. But rather than operating on faith, he goes to Hagar. And Satan's going, see, you got it. God says, no, Abraham, it's going to be through Sarah that Isaac will be born, the son of promise. We have the, the people, the children of Israel, the 12 tribes down in Egypt. And what's that foreign oppressive government doing? Destroying the male children. Not the female children, the male children. Why? Because there's going to be a male child. Now, does the Pharaoh know that? No, but Satan does. And Pharaoh's but a, a puppet on the strings of Satan. Male child, male child, kill him, kill him, kill him all. What does God do? Here's an exodus. Here, and I'll pitch you the final deliverance through the blood of a Passover lamb. As we go through this Old Testament, what do we find? Challenges and challenges. Satan using various governments, various false teaching. Think of Ahab and Jezebel. Think of Jeroboam in the importation of false religion. Think of how many of even Judah's kings submitted to that. 
seeking to destroy by philosophy, by religion, by government, the people of God. You have a Nebuchadnezzar. Satan's rubbing his hand in glee. Now, you see, we shall destroy everything. And God's going, oh no, I'm just going to put them there for 70 years and then they're going to come back. All which was, as we know, revealed to Daniel. There's going to be this government, this government, this government, this government. But you see, that continues. It continued for a period of time that Satan, through the means of government, sought to destroy that Old Testament church. For a short period of time. That short period of time is the life and ministry of Christ until he dies. But throughout that period of time, after the birth of Jesus, Satan is continuing to seek to destroy God's people. But he has a third goal. You're with me in chapter 12 yet? Go down with me to verse 17. The dragon, see the woman escapes, right? She's rescued. We'll come back to that. Verse 17. Then the dragon became furious with a woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Well, she gives birth to one, but then there are more. There are more who are born to the woman. There are more who come to faith, come to belief. And now the dragon, furious, seeks to make war. How do you suppose he makes war? Government, false religion, false philosophy. He seeks to make war. On who? You and I. On every single believer in Jesus Christ. This is where we are. This is where we live. This is today. Peter put it this way, careful. Be careful, be warned. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Christmas, for the believer, is a tension. It's a tension between the peace that we know is ours in Christ. The spiritual reconciliation that is ours because of the coming of Christ. But it is the reality that this coming of Christ has enraged the red dragon, Satan. That he is now seeking to make war. And if you want to understand the rest of the book of Revelation, especially the next chapters, you have to understand it in light of this great sign. That Satan is about making warfare on the church of Jesus Christ. And the preceding chapters are going to tell you the means by which he is going to do this. His failure in doing it. And the punishment of those who side with him. 
How, will, how does Satan go about this warfare? What do chapters 13 through 18 tell you? Government, false religion, false philosophy. And that's what you and I need to be aware of in this world. That Satan is still making war against the children of the church. Against your soul. Against my soul. But we're not going to leave it there. Because we also have to look at the defeat of this red dragon. Four ways are mentioned to us. One, his goal of destroying the child is not fulfilled. Look at how verse 5 follows up verse 4, right? He desires, he desires to devour the child. That's where we leave off in 4. Verse 5, though, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ. Does Satan devour the child? No. Does the great red dragon, right, there at the nativity, the manger scene. Does the great red dragon go, rah, gotcha? No. No. He stands there. It was his desire. But he was unable to. Read in context. Go back with me to Psalm 2. And see how this fits where we are here in Revelation chapter 2, Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Who's doing this? The kings of the earth take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, against Christ. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast them away, away their cords from us. Look at God's reaction. He who sits in heaven laughs. Ha! What do you think you're doing? You really think you can destroy the male child? The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Notice what the vision said in Revelation chapter 12 of the fact that he is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. See that in Psalm 2? This is what's going on. David is prophesying about that which is going to come. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. 
for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed. Hmm. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Did he meet his goal? No. No. He didn't even get close. His stated purpose, his number one purpose, devour the child, is not met. Nor will it ever be. Secondly, we are told that this great red dragon is a conquered dragon. Verse 11. Right? So we're, we're talking about the accuser of the brothers. We're talking about the dragon who is thrown down. Now listen to verse 11. And they have conquered him. Now who is the they? They are those that Satan continually accuses. Well, who does Satan accuse? Well, he doesn't bother to accuse an unbeliever. There's no point in accusing them. They could care less if they're guilty or not. But those who have been regenerated by the Spirit, those who are believers in Jesus Christ, you and I, Satan is continually accusing. You're not really a Christian, are you? Look at what you did. Look at what you said. Look at your past. Look at your history. He's always accusing. Verse 11. And they have conquered him. Who's the him? The great red dragon. How do they conquer him? They conquer him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. For they love their lives even more than even unto death. Those who are willing to die for Christ. Those who are willing to lay their lives on the line for Christ. Those who say for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But they conquer not by their own power, not by their own strength, not by their own ability. They conquer by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 5, 6, and look, I lo, and behold, I saw. A lamb looking as if it had been slain. John chapter 1. Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Pick it up at verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He destroys by his death, by his blood. This great red dragon, Satan, the serpent is destroyed, conquered by the blood of the Lamb. We need to realize that today. The dragon who makes war upon us is defeated, not by our arguments. 
not by our resistance. He is defeated by the blood of Christ. You want a life lesson for last year? Here's the life lesson of last year. All sorts of people stand up in resistance to what is going on. What did the church not do? Go back to the blood of Christ. It trusted its own argumentation. It trusted its own means. It's trusted its own philosophy. It is only and solely in the blood of Christ that this great dragon is going to be defeated. And until, until we are 100% sold out to the blood of Christ, he will not be conquered in our hearts and in our lives either. You want to put and silence that accuser? then look to Christ alone. Look to the blood of Christ alone. He is conquered. Thirdly, he is unable to destroy the woman. As we look through chapter 12, he's making every means possible, right? Coming out of his mouth is water. Okay? But that doesn't do it. Every means possible. He makes use of everything he possibly can. But what happens? Oh yeah, eventually he destroys the church. Eventually the woman is, is destroyed. Eventually the church falls. No, he's unable to. He cannot destroy the church. Twenty million. Christians in China. The great red dragon seeks to destroy the woman. Can he? No. You can have the most anti-government, the most anti-philosophy, the most false church you can put and throw into this world. Can it destroy the church? No. See, this is a passage of glorious hope. He couldn't devour Christ. He can be conquered through the blood of Christ. And because of the protection of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ will always survive. Will the church make it through 2021 if Christ tarries? Absolutely. Why are you doubting that? Why would you question that? It's the promise of God. It's the revelation of God. Oh, the glorious hope of having on display a great red dragon at the nativity and knowing and knowing he doesn't do it. He doesn't devour the child. And even when he makes war upon my own heart and my own soul, because of the blood of Christ, he is conquered. 
And he'll never, he'll never be able to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. But ultimately, even though he now makes war, as we often say, we know the end of the story. We know what happens. Go with me to Revelation chapter 20. Verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophets were and they were, will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You know what I love about this passage? It's so quick. There's no struggle. Christ comes. They're destroyed. Satan defeated. Tormented forever and ever along with all those who do not know the blood of Christ. In a moment, in an instant, it's done. He's unable to destroy the child. He's conquered by the blood of the Lamb. He is unable to destroy the church. He is defeated. Oh, my friend, this morning with the eyes of faith, see it. See what John saw in that vision. See the ultimate defeat of this accuser, this great red dragon. And now ask yourself, where do you want to be on that day? Where do you want to be in that moment of time. Do you want to be around with the forces of those who are gathering around to make war upon the church of Jesus Christ, upon the followers of the Lamb? Or do you want to be included? Do you want to be included in those that are surrounded? But those who know the victory of the Lamb of God. I hope this morning, I pray this morning, that each one of us will be saying in our hearts, I want to be with Christ. I want to be with Christ. Sinclair Ferguson writes in regards to this, you need to persist in your testimony you need spirit-given courage to overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb. He has died for your sins. And the word of your testimony is one who does not love his or her life to death. Ferguson admits he would prefer an easier way to overcome the dragon than to give all of himself to Christ. And we are prone to think 
If I only give 95% of my life to Jesus Christ, I can be sure I have overcome the dragon. But Ferguson goes on to warn us that the devil has grown from a serpent to a dragon because of people having only given 95%. No, the only way to overcome the dragon is when Christ has all of you. And you have all of Christ. You are only safe when he has all of you. But oh, the glory when he has all of you. Because when Christ has all of you, then you have all of him. Father, thank you. Thank you for reminding us this morning that there is a dragon, that Satan is real, and that Satan is making war upon us as the church and as believers in Christ. But, oh, Father, the glorious comfort of knowing Jesus Christ lives. His blood still saves. He protects us by his power and might. And he will destroy Satan into an everlasting punishment forever and ever. And we, we who hold to the blood of Christ will live forever to glorify the Lamb who takes away our sin. Truly, this is a day we can say, joy to the world. In Christ, God's people say, Amen.